0: Reading from the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with the first verse. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of him, ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. After hearing Jesus say all this stuff, people came to two conclusions. One group of his audience decided that he indeed was demon-possessed. But the other group replied, how can he be demon-possessed and heal a blind man? That's a good question. It doesn't seem to me that if the thief comes to steal and destroy and to kill that the employees of the thief would come to heal. That makes no sense. And so those who heard Jesus' words and removed by them replied, this is not a demon-possessed man. There's something else going on here. And it might help us to remember the context of this story. We heard the text before this just a few weeks ago. And in that text, Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath and the religious people freaked out. Jesus did some work. He made somebody well. And they decided that was a bad thing because it broke their understanding of the law of Moses. It broke their understanding of what God desired. They had forgotten that God desired mercy and not sacrifice. That God's first order desires that we would be merciful to those who were hurting, merciful to the widow, merciful to the orphan. Merciful to the sick. Merciful to the people who are cast out in society. Merciful to those who have no place amongst us. They had forgotten that. They had heaped on rules and made it harder to keep the law that was already according to Paul insurmountable. And yet there they stand. Unable to celebrate that a man who was blind from birth had received healing. Because their love for rules was greater than their love for mercy. And Jesus called them blind. And here, in this text, he calls them robbers. Why did he do that? Well, they were unhappy with the parents' answers when they decided, well, let's talk to the parents. They will know whether or not he has been born blind. And the parents said, he's of age, ask him. So they drugged the man to themselves again to ask him again, who was it that made you well? Knowing full well who it was who made them, him well. They had not forgotten. They wanted another opportunity to discredit him, to put another hand against him and push one more time. To get him to say that Jesus had nothing to do with it, but he says exactly opposite of what they wanted. He is undeterred by their foolishness. And ask them, why? Do you want to become his disciples too? And again, they freak out. The parents were scared because the religious rulers, the religious elites, had decided that if anyone confessed faith that Jesus was the Messiah, they were to be put out of the church, put out of the synagogue, pulled out of the people that God had called out to himself, calling shepherds call sheep. God has forever called the people of God's creation to come to God, to follow God, and to be led to the still waters, to be led to the green grass, to be led to the safety of the sheepfold. And God has never made it difficult. It's the elite who have made it difficult. It's the teachers and the the commentators on the law, those who decide what a person must do to enter into God's rest when God has said all we must do is respond to God's own call. And they were trapped in a cycle of deciding who was in and who was out. What was allowed and what was not. They were so caught up in rule keeping that they had forgotten to keep mercy. And so a man is healed and they're unable to celebrate it. They get angry instead. Jesus calls them blind. And through what we've heard today essentially accuses them of robbing The man who had been healed from the fullness of life he had experienced in what Jesus had done for him. How sad is that? This man had finally felt fully alive for the first time in his entire life. And they attempted to rob him of that by kicking him out of his community. So Jesus says the thieves had come and attempted to steal the fullness of life that he had given to the blind man. The thief, he says, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that is effectively what they had done to him when they kicked him out of the synagogue. For they effectively kicked him out of his community and made him a person that no one else would want anything to do with. All because Jesus was merciful to him because God in Christ reconciled him to himself and made him whole. God forbid that we would ever respond to anyone responding to grace in that way. And like the blind man, anyone, anyone who has heard God's call to them, who has heard the Holy Spirit of God preveniently call into their life to go before them and orchestrate events so that they come to know who God is and experience God's love for themselves. So that they come to believe that Jesus is indeed God's son, that he was raised from the dead, that he is the Christ. Like that blind man, their sight is restored and they are able to see God and see the world as God intended. And they are restored to fullness of life And so these things that Jesus says aren't just about that man who was born blind, but all of us who were born blind, all of us who were blinded by sin and death from the time of our birth, all of us who have had our eyes drawn to things that only steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus has turned our focus and shifted our eyesight and given us the ability to see what it is and who it is that God would have us be. And the healing that God can offer us. So Jesus' word still is a warning to us that anything that would distract us from him are indeed the thief and the robber. They indeed come to steal and kill and destroy. They come to take away that fullness of life that he promises us. The abundant life. Not a life filled with possessions. Not a life filled with cars and all these kinds of stupid things that the... The television preachers, which unfortunately I kind of am one now, but those people stress all this idea that if we have faith, God will reward our faith with stuff and wealth and riches, and it's just stupid. There is no promise like that in Scripture. The promise is that God will reward us by being with us no matter what comes against us. But the fullness of life has nothing to do with what you have. It has explicitly to do with only Christ having you. Belonging first to Jesus and to his grace. That is full life. Eternal life, Jesus said, is knowing God. Knowing the one who sent him. Full life is knowing God. It is the fullest life that is possible the most rich life we can have is resting in the presence of God Almighty with us. Anything that would distract us from that is indeed the thief and the robber. Peter reminded us in his letter in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he said, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross So that free from sins we might live for righteousness. What is righteousness? Being in right relationship with God. It is the righteousness of Christ given to us to guide and lead us to do the works that He has prepared in advance for us. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to shape us and renew us in Christ's image. So that we truly can love even those who others say are unlovable. Peter goes on to say, By his wounds you have been healed. What is it that we've been healed of? It is the blindness of unrighteousness, it is the blindness of sin and death, the darkness, a life. Shrouded in sin. He goes on to say, for you are going astray like sheep. What does stray sheep need? Someone to call them. Someone to bring them back into a sheepfold. Someone to assemble them into the corral or whatever you want to call it. Someone to draw them together into a flock so that they can be in one another's company and be comforted by the sight of one another. Someone to bring them together. And so Peter says, you were, you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd of your souls. The good shepherd. The one who says I am. And that's more important than we might think. See, in Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel promised the children of Israel that the day would come when all of the shepherds who had sought to destroy them and starve them of God's presence, the ones who had not been faithful to God on their behalf, that those would no longer be the kind of shepherds they would have, but that one day God himself would come to shepherd the people. And when Jesus says, I am the gate, and I am the good shepherd. He is quoting God who said, Ego I me, to Moses, I I am. When Moses asked God, Who shall I tell the people? Sent me. God said, Tell them, I am that I am. And Jesus stands before these Pharisees and says, I am the good shepherd. He announces that the promise of God in Ezekiel 34 is fulfilled in him. That the one who will shepherd the, God, the people of God the way that God intends has come. The one who will call us all out of spiritual death and call us all from wandering in the desert with no life. The one who will call us and harbor us in his sheepfold, his kingdom, has called to us, has come. God Almighty in the flesh, standing in the midst of us, has called our name. Bring us into his sheepfold. So we might wonder then who is the thief? If this has application beyond just the Pharisees kicking the blind man out of the synagogue, if it has application for us, we might wonder who is it that comes to rob us of life? Who is it that would steal us? For that is what the thief comes to do, to steal the sheep. The wolf comes to kill the sheep and eat the sheep, to drag it away. It reminds me of when God told Cain that sin was crouching at his door seeking to devour him. What is it that would steal us? What is it that would slaughter us? What is it that would destroy us? Who is it that comes to mind for you? Who is it? What is it that distracts us from the shepherd of our souls? Who is it and what is it that becomes a counterfeit voice for us promising that we can have life? Is it our economy, our technology, our politicians? Think about all the things that compete for our attention and seek to draw us away from the one who can honestly and truly save us daily we are invited to trust in science and believe that science can overcome, but even science is created by God. What is it that we allow to steal our faith? What is it that we put our trust in when the only one who deserves our trust is the shepherd of our souls? Whatever those things are, they are truly out to steal the so-called abundant things that people claim Jesus is talking about here, a life of plenty and big houses, and all those kinds of things that people seem to want to believe. Jesus means by abundant life, all of those things are things that would steal us from experiencing the abundant life of sharing with others. The fullness of God's kingdom here on earth happens when we remember the orphaned and the widow and all of those who need, who need to be brought into the fold and protect it. When our thoughts are turned to believe that what God promises us is a life of luxury and excess, then we truly miss out on the abundant life that this shepherd holds out to us. For it is a life free of the sin and fear of death. And the fear of scarcity that causes us to be selfish and turned in on our own neighbors. To be self-absorbed people who wonder what's in it for us. It's all of those things that Jesus stands against. For those things are the arms and the left hand and the right hand of sin and death. Those things are The left hand of the devil. The one who Jesus said was a liar and a thief from the beginning. The one who truly does come to steal and destroy. But Jesus is the gate that would protect us against the thief. I thought about that this week and I think about the playground that's behind the church. And if you've ever seen a chain link fence... You need to know that the gate is not the opening in the fence. The gate is the physical thing that hangs in the opening. Jesus is the physical gate that hangs there. The gate by which we enter into the kingdom of God and the gate that closes us in and protects us from behind, from the side, and from the front. He surrounds us and keeps us. I've also seen it again this week as I read something that I've seen I don't know how many times and I don't know how many different places. But enough that it's become fixed in my mind as possibly being true. And it said that at Jesus' time the sheepfolds didn't necessarily have gates. That the shepherds understood themselves to be the gates. So that when the sheep were put into the corral or or fenced-in area or whatever it was, that the shepherd himself would lay down in the open area and become a gate. So that if anything or anyone tried to slip in, the shepherd could rise and defend the sheep. I've seen that in enough commentaries and repeated by enough authors to want it to be true, but I'm not sure if it really is or not because, well, who knows? But Jesus is using that kind of analogy for himself. He stands there in that opening to protect us. All of us who have responded to his call. To enter into his rest. He is the good shepherd. The one who lies in that opening. The one who gives his life for the sheep. Why would we let anything distract us from that? Why would we let anything of this world cause us to believe that we can trust it more than we trust Jesus? It truly is all about the shepherd. These days, in our vernacular, you don't have to hear anybody say, The first part of a clause to know what they mean when they say it's about the economy, it's about security, it's about this, it's about that. They're saying that whatever they say second is more important than the first. For instance, we could say it's not about the color of the carpet, it's about the color steadfastness of the carpet. Will the color last, right? We might say that's more important than the color if we were choosing a carpet for our home. It's not about the things that the Master can give us. It's not about the things that the Shepherd can offer us. It's about the Shepherd Himself and the life that we have through Him. This story is not an invitation to us to go out and have great and wonderful things because we belong to Christ. It's a reminder that we belong to a great and wonderful Christ, a great and wonderful shepherd who seeks only to give us a full life of love, joy, and hope, of peace, a full life undeterred by the ravages of sin and death, to make us sheep who are unafraid. Because we know who the master is. We know who our shepherd is. So Jesus announces to us again today, I am the good shepherd. Why should we be afraid? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.